If you're looking for premium natural products, choose New Roots Herbal, proudly Canadian, family-owned for over 30 years. What really sets them apart is their dedication to quality. They source only the highest quality ingredients and test each one using state-of-the-art scientific instruments and procedures. You get exactly what's promised on the label. Nothing more, nothing less. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. To learn more or find a store near you, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. You're listening to an interview taken from the Tonic Talk Show and Podcast. Dr. Colleen Hartwick is a licensed naturopathic physician who's been in private practice since 2012 in Campbell River, BC. Dr. Hartwick has a special interest in trauma as it pertains to physical illness, and as such, her practice focuses on mental health. In addition, she's passionate about sharing her knowledge and has been a part-time instructor at the Canadian School for Nutrition since 2015 and recently began publishing educational articles with naturopathic currents. Welcome back to the show, doctor. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me back. I'm really excited to be here again. Yeah. So I can't remember the last time that you were on the show. Actually, that's not true. I, re- I, rem- I remember perfectly, but we're going to talk about memory loss today, right? Well, well, that's good timing. I also can't, I'm a little fuzzy on the details. I think it might have been February or March. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Let's talk about what we can both do about memory today. <laughs> okay. So I'm not getting any younger. Can you explain why memory loss becomes more common as we age? Uh, there's lots of reasons to consider why that seems to happen. You know, there's the natural declines in, you know, brain shape and structure that happens with age, reductions in blood flow that could be the result of, like, lots of inflammation, maybe issues with managing your uh, blood sugar, potential for, you know, medication side effects, perhaps years of imbibing in alcohol, which we know is pretty neurotoxic. The fact that there's a lot of people with varying degrees of hypothyroidism and thyroid is really important for energy production in all tissues, including the brain, as well as really important for creating the sort of the insulating protective layer of the white matter of your brain. It's called the myelin sheath. So lots of potential reasons why we see an uptick in memory loss as as time goes on. And what are some of the common misconceptions that you've come across about cognitive health? I think the biggest one I see with things like memory loss and really lots of different health conditions is that, you know, memory loss is part and parcel with aging. So this is kind of a guaranteed outcome for people. Right. And that's not necessarily true. We can see memory loss for lots of different reasons, including, as I mentioned, chronically high blood sugar, which is associated with cognitive impairment. It can actually damage the blood vessels that bring nutrients to your brain. Uh, We could see it be a consequence of, you know, chronic stress and elevations in cortisol. Um, And what we see uh, in the literature there pertaining to high cortisol is actually shrinking of some key areas of the brain that are responsible for memory. Areas like the prefrontal cortex, which is like, you can think about it as like your internal parent that's there for like planning, reasoning, um, and working memory. So kind of the information you're dealing with presently. And another area of the brain involved in memory, the hippocampus, appears to shrink in people who have been exposed to high levels of of cortisol over, over the years. So, I mean, I know this is true, but from what you've said, it sounds like there could be some lifestyle decisions that we can make that can help with memory loss. Is that so? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see most conditions, including memory loss, as an indication that we've done either too much of something 
or too little of something and to address and take a look at, are you doing the foundational things to support memory? So important. So some things just to build a good foundation for cognition over the lifespan, getting regular physical exercise, that does a few different things for blood health. One, it increases blood flow, so it brings nutrients to the brain for the brain to use to help us focus and form new memories. Also helps with increasing insulin sensitivity, that hormone that helps get sugar glucose into the neurons, the functional nerve cells, because glucose is their preferred energy source. And exercise also seems to increase this chemical called BDNF, or brain-derived neurotropic factor, basically like miracle growth for nerve cells to create connections one to the other. So beyond the exercise piece, making sure that you've got a good social network. So friends, maybe a romantic partner, close relationships with family, what that helps to do is reduce cortisol levels. And as I just mentioned, chronically elevated cortisol or stress hormone associated with atrophy, shrinking of those brain areas um, that we know play a role in memory. You know, managing other things like blood pressure, cholesterol that could impact blood flow to the brain. And a really important basic is staying hydrated. Something like a 2% drop in hydration in the brain can tank short-term memory. So making sure you're drinking enough fluids through the day, uh, a really key foundation to maintain mental sharpness and memory. Yeah, I mean, you were were talking about having sort of a good social foundation. There have been so many studies that I've read recently about how social isolation can lead to cognitive decline. And, And that could be because of COVID or because, you know, your partner has passed, or it could be that you have a loss of hearing and communication is difficult. There are so many ways that it impacts. Yeah, and it's it's so true. I mean, humans are social beings, even those of us like myself who might be a little bit on the introverted side. Yep. We still need our people time. And if you think about it in sort of an evolutionary context, for us to be alone in the world is actually inherently very dangerous. So it raises our level of those stress chemicals. So to have good social support and connection, a physical touch as well, which gives us a hit of that uh, stress-reducing hormone oxytocin really important for mental health and for cognition. Let's talk about stress and anxiety and how that impacts memory. How can older individuals manage stress levels to protect their their cognitive health? Yep. So again, first thing, make sure that you've got some people that you've got close connection to, whether that's friends, family, you know, even a counselor that you can see that you can at least have that open dialogue with. Exercise for so many people. Well, it's a short-term physical stressor in the long-term helps to reduce a lot of those stress chemicals like cortisol, for example. And then finding activities that you enjoy, and that can look really different for every everyone. Like for me, it's rock climbing, which for some people might be terrifying. Yeah. And yet for me is incredibly meditative because you have to focus on what you're doing in the present moment because if your mind starts to wander, you might fall and go boom. Yep. <laughs> you know, breath work, yoga, meditation, those are some of the common practices you'll see recommended, but really finding out for yourself what helps me feel calm, what helps me feel relaxed, and that can look really different for each person. For me personally, getting a good night's sleep certainly impacts uh, my ability to think the next day. What are some of the strategies to improve sleep quality? No, I'm glad that you touched on sleep because I missed that one as one of the foundational pieces. Sleep is so important for helping us with insulin sensitivity and, and high levels of insulin and the inability to get glucose into the brain. 
can impact memory. Plus, we have this system, you might have heard of it and some of your listeners as well, called the glymphatic system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the cerebral spinal fluid that bathes our brain. The volume, I think, increases by something like 30% overnight to help flush away all of the debris that accumulates during the day so that after a good night's sleep, our neurons can, our nerve cells can communicate one to the other. So sleep is of paramount importance in people who are chronically underslept. So not enough hours or a lot of broken sleep. It's one of the risk factors for developing dementia. So some basics to optimize sleep is to try and have a consistent sleep schedule. I think most of your listeners know we've got a 24-hour clock, our circadian rhythm. So genes that turn on and turn off at consistent times, assuming that we've got consistency around meal times and in this case bedtimes. So in order for your body to know when to start producing the sleep hormone melatonin, we have to go to bed at reasonably the same time, you know, plus or minus 15 minutes. Try to have some sort of bedtime routine that's relaxing. So that could look like reading a book, taking a bath, maybe doing a guided meditation, a little light yoga to sleep is a you know, it's rest. And so we want to be in the state that favors rest. So in that relaxed state, trying to avoid any bright light exposure in the hour before bed, because that tells your brain, hey, it's still daylight, which means don't produce a lot of melatonin right now because the sun's still out. Make sure your bed's comfy. We spend like a third of our day sleeping. So make sure you have a comfortable bed, that your bedroom's dark, that it's reasonably cool. Um, those are some of the foundations to supporting sleep and trying to get somewhere between seven to nine hours a night as well. Yeah. So one of the things I like to do, I'm a puzzle guy and I do crosswords all the time. And I, and I find like exercising the brain, neuroplasticity uh, certainly helps. You know, it's all like a little mini workout for the brain. Are, are you are you on board with that? You and me share a fondness for puzzles because I do all of the puzzles. I do the jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. I do the crossword puzzles. I do the Sudokus. One of the things about puzzles, while they can be great, our brains are really adaptive. So if you're just doing the same type of yeah. brain puzzles over and over again, what that means is we get really skilled at doing crossword puzzles, but that doesn't always translate to good memory for other activities. So what I would say is just have a lot of variety in terms of how you stimulate your brain. So a little bit of crossword puzzles and then maybe some reading and then maybe learning a new language, right? So variety and constant challenge seems to be a bit more effective than just doing one type of brain activity. Okay. So let's shift gears and talk about diet, which, you know, certainly plays a crucial role in, in, in cognitive health. What are some brain boosting foods and habits that we might be able to employ to prevent memory decline? Absolutely. So kind of first and most critically is making sure you keep your blood sugar in good working order. So try to avoid, you know, highly refined grains, lots of white sugar, you know, high fructose corn syrup, things like that, because that high blood sugar is actually toxic to neurons associated with neuronal death. So try to choose whole grains, low sugar, maybe more of that ketogenic style of diet. Beyond that, getting in the omega-3s that we get predominantly from fatty fish, but from algae and even from plant-based sources, they're really important both for modulating inflammation. Chronic inflammation can damage nerve cells and contribute to memory loss. And one type of omega-3 DHA is a really important structural fat, so it actually helps with the building phase of, of our brain. And then foods that are just brightly colored, because those bright colors, whether it's blueberries or blackberries or red beets, that means that there's a lot of antioxidants present in that food. And antioxidants, 
similar to omega-3s curtailing inflammation, antioxidants help to reduce oxidative stress, and oxidative stress um, is another process that can damage neurons. So lots of variety, lots of bright colors, low sugar, low processed foods, and making sure we get lots of omega-3s in. Okay, so if we're not getting everything we need from our diet, are there supplements or herbs that have shown promise in supporting cognitive function? The list is long in terms of supplement options, so I won't bore you with all of them, but maybe touch on a couple of key ones. So the first one, again, those omega-3s, which we'll get in most abundance from fish oil to help reduce inflammation, to help build a healthy nervous system. Some herbs that can be beneficial. Um, it's an Indian herb called Bacopa uh, monieri, which is antioxidant, helps to protect neurons from damage, and also seems to play a role in increasing one of our main neurotransmitters, so nerve connection molecules called acetylcholine that's involved in in memory. So Bacopa seems to be really uh, beneficial to, again, helping support cognition memory. Lion's mane as well, which I think we might have talked about back yep. when we did a conversation about mushrooms, so lion's mane, an antioxidant, it's got some vitamin D, which helps to reduce inflammation, also seems to bump up nerve growth factors, similar to BDNF, it's like miracle grow to help create more connections between our neurons so that they can talk more effectively one to the other. And then a couple of nutrients that are involved in making acetylcholine, so something called citicoline, as well as... Uh, choline or phosphatidylcholine, it's sometimes known as lecithin. We get lecithin from, uh, I say, plant seeds and animal seeds, so from egg yolks as well as from nuts and seeds. And that choline, it's a building block for acetylcholine, and that's one of the key neurotransmitters um, associated with the formation of new memory. Okay, we have time for one last Really quick question, and that is, with the growing interest in cognitive health, we're seeing increase a number of products on the market. How can consumers ensure that they're purchasing a high-quality supplement that's safe and effective? Yeah, so, I mean, I've got my go-to brands as a professional, but if you're going into, you know, a health food store and wanting to make best decisions, you want to look for some sort of certification, like an ISO 17025. What that tells you is that product has been evaluated by an accredited lab to make sure that what's inside the capsule or the powder is what the manufacturer says is there, and they're also testing for you know, purity and potential contamination. And, of course, there's tried and true brands, but if you're not familiar with what brands are best, look for an ISO 17025 certification to let you know that what's on the label uh, is actually what's inside the product. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was great to talk to you again.